Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. All right, folks, got a special edition of Inside Boxing Live, and we got a man joining us here. You know the face, you know the mustache. I would say like the new Burt Sugar of boxing. Uh, he went out. He was there in uh, Texas last week for the Canelo coverage. Great stuff from Barstool. Large is here, and we're ready to talk some boxeo. Uh, man, the boxing world is buzzing. How's everything going with you, my friend? Good. Yeah, we um, like you said, we just came off a really positive trip. We did the trip a couple of weeks before that out to San Diego to see Canelo train. So I got to that secret location and. <laughs> While I was out there, I got to, to spend some time with Andy Ruiz and uh, Frank Sanchez, you know, all the guys in the gym with them, obviously Reynoso and uh, and his crew. And then we parlayed it into the fight, spent the, the week in the bubble, which got kind of brutal. But um, I was probably one of the only guys, myself and Devlin, the guy who does our social media, we were kind of just hanging out in the lobby, just camped out in the lobby in our pajamas, just waiting for shit to pop off. So we got a couple of things that went quasi-viral, mm-hmm. and then we got a lot of great access on behalf of the zone. They were very, very excited to have Barstool um, kind of dip its toe into professional boxing, more so than we've done. I've, I was at Teofimo versus Loma uh, with the guys from Top Rank. Um, I did a, uh, another thing with the zone with um, Triple G a couple of years ago before the pandemic. But this was one of the ones where they decided to jump in with both feet. And it was wildly successful for both of us. So you can expect more of that shit going forward. No, I, I agree. And that's something I tweeted out. I said, you know, the fact that, you know, whoever set this up between Barstool and whether it was Matchroom, I think it was the zone. It's, it's a brilliant move because we want to get this sport, more eyeballs on this sport. We want to get the younger eyeballs on this sport. Obviously, we know how the platform uh, that Barstool is. It's funny you bring up the fight bubbles. This is obviously a new phenomenon because of COVID. Yes, it sucks in one way because you're just sitting around. You're probably bored. But it's also, from a content standpoint, it doesn't get any better because everyone is in the same place. You know, you go to fights before COVID. Everyone's so spread out. You have to you know, run down people to get interviews, especially if you're grinding and you don't have like set up time. So, you know, that bubble is like it gives and, and, and receives as well. But and another reason, the fact that you went down to Canelo's camp, see, that's smart because then you get in with them, you're more intimate time with them. That's when he sees you on fight week He's willing to give you guys uh, more, more, more access. But, you know, this is the fight. I know the, the viral thing that you're talking about was when, uh, you know, Canelo was chirping at Saunders camp, which had, was like an underwriting theme all week long for that fight was you know, a, f- a few things. It was Canelo's personality coming out, a guy that never really spoke uh, in English. And now he's, you know, cursing guys out afterwards. I mean, so much went down with that, but overall just being there, Jerry world, you know, seeing, uh, you know, that beat down Canelo laid on Saunders, the fight week stuff, being around guys like Eddie Hearn and all the characters that are involved in boxing. I know you are a boxing fan, but, you know, being that intimate with it, did it kind of blow you away? Yeah, I think, you know, it blows you away for two reasons. We're coming out of a bubble. I mean, excuse me, we're coming out of a pandemic. So mm-hmm. to all of a sudden go from zero to 73,000 Mexicans in one stadium. And it was, it was, it was almost 100% Mexicans. The only reason I mentioned that, they were very vocal. And we were ringside. And so that was the first time where, you know, sometimes when you're booing or when you're cheering, you're kind of booing with people. You're throwing that wave down. But when you're in a place as big as Jerry's world, 
and we have 73,000 people booing towards one place, one 22 by 22 ring, and you're right there, you really feel like they're booing at you. It's cacophonous. So like to all of a sudden be back and have 73,000 people there, that's something. And it could only happen. I know they're going to try and one up them, you know, somewhere along the line, but they blew away the record, which I think was Ali Spinks too, of 60,000 people. Jerry's world has those great fucking TVs, you know? So even though you're in a, um, a field that you are normally watching a hundred yards, 20 some odd players go into a <clears throat> 22 foot ring with just two players, those goddamn TVs. Like I felt I was sitting in the fir- first row of the movie theater where you're sitting up, you know, you yeah. just can't help, but l- like, look at them more often. So it was a perfect storm for the setup. And then to your point, Canelo's a tough nut to crack. He's very guarded of his image. You know, he has a couple of chinks in the armor that I don't think he necessarily likes to talk about. So he just doesn't let people in. He let us in at the um, at the training camp. And Jane, his handler, Jane Marcia. Oh, she's the best. She she pushed. I'm six foot five, 285 pounds. I fought in college. I'm a big fucking guy. I could fall on Jane. She was a tough bitch. I mean, she had me on a short leash. I knew exactly what I could and couldn't do. But as a result, I got maybe a nine-minute interview with Canelo that we then clipped it to me going out to Chula Vista and having some cabeza tacos that, like, Javier Raul, one of the guys, told me. Yeah. Nine-minute interview, very good. Halfway through the interview, Canelo switches to English. Mm-hmm. So you know you got him. It's like then switching stances. Switch to southpaw. Yeah, exactly. Then we're at the fight. <clears throat> I'm in press row. And um, he comes off the apron. And before he goes to talk to Danny Garcia, he gives me one of these, you know, the the six guns and the wink. So I put that out. And when you know it, viral again, whatever you call viral. For me, it was viral. So much so that Jane said, do you want a couple of minutes? I said, Jane, I got to be honest. It's not going to play as well if I actually sit down with them. Like now it seems like maybe we have Christmas dinner. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, savvy, like, savvy move on your part. You're turning down Canelo interviews. <laughs> yeah. So, and so he did Danny and then he did uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. And when he went around to Julio Cesar, who might've been doing it for Telemundo. Or Fox yeah, yeah. I think he gave me one of these. <laughs> so saw that. There, there was a tremendous amount of um, like affection going back and forth because there was a familiarity mm-hmm. and there was a comfort level that it wouldn't be like fight boo-boo Andrade. Yeah. Oh, right. The tainted sausage. Yo, you're ducking triple G. Like there was none of that shit. It was a nah. safe, it was a safe spot for him. And I think that's what Barcel does. We know where our bread is buttered within the fight game. We're going to go in there and give you some differentiation, like attack, mm-hmm. uh, like attack it from different angles, but we're also trying to get in there with some of the bigger names. So the fact that I spent some time with fury, in fact, that I spend a lot of time with Eddie, you know, who's who's handsome, right? Like he, I, I got the lost. handsome devil. Yeah, I got lost in his eyes. Like that <laughs> goes well for us, whether it be in Saudi Arabia, which is, I mean, obviously it doesn't look like it happens now. But even when yeah, we'll it does happen, that. I probably wouldn't go because the zone wouldn't have U.S. rights to it, be ESPN. Mm-hmm. But anything else, you know, Canelo's next fight possibly in September against Caleb or whatever. Yeah, like I'm looking forward to the seeing what we can do. And build on that, and like you know, barstool boxing, right? 
Let's do it. Barstool boxing. It's a great move. I'm telling you, get more eyeballs on this sport, the younger demographic. And there was a response from it. You know, I'm looking at the replies to the stuff you posted. I'm seeing what I, in my notifications, people saying, you know, I, you know, I didn't even know there was Canelo was fighting this week, but I see what large is doing. I see what Robbie Fox is doing. And now I want to buy this fight. I want to see there was a definite, you could see the results. There was a definite awareness around this fight. And there's the one thing about the zone. It's one knock on the zone that I've heard over and over from fight fans is that, you know, these fights don't feel like pay-per-view fights, whatever that means, because it's on an app. This fight felt big, probably because of the fans, Canelo, the, the belt, Saunders is a, is a great heel. He, and as much as you want to say what you want about Saunders, some of the things he's done in the past have been terrible. But the guy is a perfect heel, and you need a heel. I think you need that in boxing. It doesn't always happen that way. But, uh, yeah, you talk about that afterwards, that, you know, after a fighter wins, it's like euphoric. They're so happy. You know, they lock eyes and you have that that moment. But, you know, I'm just pumped to see it. Is that, you know, what are the plans for Barstool going forward in, in boxing? Um, you know, so we have the amateur boxing tournament. I mean, which has nothing to do with boxing. It's right I actually from- I actually scored a few rounds in Miami. OK, cool. Yeah. And so, again, so Devlin. I hate to blow this guy too much, but he's, he's in the best role with that thing too. So he's got his stink all over uh, that type of stuff. And then going forward, you know, I have three kids. I have a, a boy who's about to turn 17. I have another son who's about to turn 14. I have a girl who just turned 11. So I'm in the thick of it, right? Like <laughs> I need to work. And my son until I think it was the first Jake Paul fight. he said, dad, can we get this fight? I said, sure. And He's never asked to watch a fight with me before. So we wound up watching it. And then you fast forward to what it is now. Like now they kind of see what the, what the quality of it is. So now he wants to watch the Canelo fight. So that was Beautiful. his gateway drug. His gateway drug was Jake <laughs> Paul. So I never, I never shit on Paul. I, I think that he's a terrible boxer, but one of the greatest self-promoters out there, right Absolutely. up there with and stuff. So if you have these kids who are looking for that gateway drug and you can attach the bar stool thing to it, and then we can attach the sports book to it. So we get some of that gambling, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways for us to make this profitable other than the zone saying like, all right, so four social media things, two blogs and a video, <laughs> boom. How does that feel? You know what I mean? That's so, like the bare minimum. Like there's so much more that can be done. Yeah. And, but, you know, but to your point, the zone was watching my feed. The zone, and I wish I would have had my my fucking relatives say, "Hey, I never knew boxing was happening," you know. But I did have enough of that organically that everyone's got a really good head about it. So very positive. Now came into the office the week after. Sometimes they throw attaboys here, like fucking uh, manhole covers. But everyone was very excited about it, um, and so excited to go. So we can even do match watching. That's something that we do here, which I never understood. They have these electric chairs where you sit down and yeah. Dave watch a Red Sox game or something like that. Mm-hmm. So our experience would be like if we can get something with the zone to sponsor a game watch where I'm not in Saudi, but I'm all of a sudden sitting down watching Fury mm-hmm. versus Joshua and live looking at what the thing is. So you're betting on the Barstool Sportsbook. You're watching me on the stream. You're also doing it for the zone for the fight. You know, there's all this cohesiveness, this cohesion mm-hmm. that we could have. So we're exploring that now. And um, I can tell you, I'll probably be at least two more fights before the end of the year. And possibly one other thing that we're working on that I'm pretty excited about. Shit, I pitched them. I want to go to Eddie Hearn's house. I want to fucking oh, go yeah. to in Brentwood. I just want to sit. I just want to, I just want to, you know, Go to bed there, wake up, <laughs> dinner, you know, have breakfast with his, maybe go quail hunting or pheasant, like do shit like that. Eddie's, um, Eddie's a character, man. He's very, um, I mean, he brings out 
reactions from the fans. Those people that love him, there's people that hate him. I did a mean tweet segment with him where he mean he he obviously reads terrible tweets about him. Couldn't have been a better sport about. It. He accepts the fact that there's a large camp of people that despise him, and there's a large camp of people that think he's the savior of boxing. And I think boxing needs that. As a young guy, you know, you got Bob Arum who's close to 90 years old, Hall of Fame, all the accolades there. But you need that young guy. You need that, you know, kind of I hate to say, kind of Dana White type of guy who's out there jet setting all over the place. So I'm I'm a big fan of Eddie Hearn. I like Bob Arum a lot. I spent some time with Bob. He gave mm-hmm. me some edibles. I think he's a good guy. Oh, wow. I spent some time, uh, you know, I speak with Lou every now and again, Lou DiBella, right? And another Hall of Fame type guy. I spent some time with Eddie Hearn. I spent some time with Dana White, lucky enough, right? Just because of where we are. Mm-hmm. They all seem to want to blow each other's candle out to make the other look brighter. It, it seems to be a, a, a going theme. Yeah, that, that's something that they want to do. So I tend to, to take shit with a grain of salt. But I think Eddie is the only one that I want to sit down in a bar in because he also owns a professional dart league. Yep. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I also, cause Aram, I could talk to him about the time he promoted uh evil Knievel jumping the snake river. Yep. But for kids nowadays, kids nowadays, um, <laughs> I think your, 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 your bread is better buttered with a dude like Hearn. So, you know, I'm doing as much as I can with everyone. I have some very good friends. I don't, do you know Evan Corn over in top rank? Oh yeah. Evan's the man. He's yeah. a fellow Long Islander and he gets the guests. Good dude. Yeah. yeah. And what, and what a, like a professional. So oh, yeah. Josh Taylor, I know you just had Taylor and stuff like that. He's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you guys will hit it off. I like, I respect him. I respect his. So there's so many people I'm trying to stay Switzerland. Sweetness. <laughs> that's me, to... dude. So I, that's that's your, that's a great analogy because that's something I use all the time. So we work with CompuBox. We work with every network, every promoter, every fighter, playing it down the middle because you can take you get it to boxing, and next thing you know, it you're you know you're so fragmented. You're with one side against the other, but you're that's a good uh, pickup that you you've seen. You see how how mm-hmm. it kind of is like the 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 terrain is it's it's rocky. So to stay Switzerland to appease everyone is the right move. I wrote a blog about three. Uh, when did he fight um, the tall guy? Canelo fought a, a Rocky, not Rocky Fielding, but uh, Calm Smith in December. Yeah, yeah, Smith. Yeah, so he fought Smith in December, and and uh, there was some technical issues, so I couldn't get. So I was waiting for forty five minutes, and I didn't get the interview with Canelo. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those car wash interviews where you have six minutes, I have six minutes. Right. So I wrote a blog right afterwards. I hope Canelo Alvarez loses tonight. Like that was my, blog. you know, like it's just, and this is why I think he's the best pound pound fighter in the world, but, but I hope he does. Should I take that down? Like, no, but that's, that's what a Barcelona does. Like, I still want to be able to make calls. I would still want to say like Al, Alexander Povetkin may have hit that inflection point because he was on fucking ice skates when he was yeah. fighting defaulters. Maybe that's something to do with COVID. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But can you even say that now? without fucking up your chances to talk to somebody. In it's that crazy, camp. man. It's all about access. Yeah. You're so right. It's just an access driven sport. Uh, I've seen reporters, you know, do that. You know, they don't say anything controversial because they want to, they have to get that next interview because they have to appease their, their editors. There's very little independent media uh, in Boston. Something that I try to do. It's something that it's tough. It's tough trek. It's tough terrain. It's yeah. an interesting, interesting thing. But man, what's your background with boxing? No, obviously you're so, a, a big I, uh, fan. Like, who are some influences in the sport? I'm 49 years old. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. My mm-hmm. mom and dad are off the boat from Ireland. So my dad came in here when he was 19. Never wanted to wear until he came to the United States. He was a farmer and a fisherman. I can't drive a nail. <laughs> so growing up in Brooklyn with a dad who had an Irish accent, a mom who had an Irish accent, my dad didn't know anything about American sports. Across the street from where I grew up was a small theater, and they used to show 
uh, closed circuits, pay-per-view. So we used to go over there and it was in the heyday of boxing. I was born in the early seventies. So we used to go over there and we used to watch Duran and Leonard and Hagler and Hearns and all these guys you have up on your wall right now. And that's what me and my dad did. My dad was a structural steel worker, an iron worker. One of those guys that crawls around on the iron, 80 stories up, connects, built lower Manhattan, real stud, man's <laughs> man. Yeah. Uh, he's my hero. Still alive, obviously, and stuff like that. But when he's not, you'll know because I'll be a fucking puddle. One of the guys that he worked with was a guy whose last name was Cooney, and he was a straw boss. So Cooney had his son, Jerry, be one of my dad's uh, coffee guys. He used to go for coffees. So in 1978 or 79, I got to go to Gleason's gym to uh, to watch Jerry Cooney work out. Mm-hmm. That's where I kind of fell in love with the sport from a one-on-one type of, uh, you know, perspective. When I got to college, played a little basketball in high school, kind of a high school hero, college zero type thing. Um, I went to school in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I went from there to South Bend, Indiana to go to Notre Dame. And, you know, there's not a lot you could do. So I signed up for the Bengal bouts and I fought a couple of years just amateur boxing. The Bengal bouts kind of instilled it again uh, with me, just how much I love boxing, even through those ebbs and flows. You know, Ali, then it came off like the Holmes years, even though he's a great champion, then Tyson was back and then all of a sudden it came off and now right peaks and valleys in boxing the whole time. I believe we're back uh, approaching a peak again. Mm-hmm. So when I got to Barstool, I spent 25 years on Wall Street, decided to do a change. I come to Barstool just to write and I get the radio show. I get all these fucking podcasts, all that stuff. So it's been working out well for me. I'll get fired tomorrow, but it's working out well for me. <laughs> no, it's nah, great. Nobody here covers boxing except from the casual fans perspective dave portnoy a huge celebrity he's a boxing fan yeah i've had him on the show a few times he doesn't cover it like he he knows he knows enough you can sit down and talk boxing with dave just like you talk any sport but he's his nuts and bolts are elsewhere Mm -hmm. i would say he knows more about horse racing much more than he does about boxing so i just became the de facto guy and having a morning radio show Anytime fighters would come through, we got them all. And I got to speak to everybody. And it was just a very, very, so like it just kind of begets mm-hmm. more boxing coverage. Like I said, we had our foot in the door right before the pandemic with the zone. It looks like our foot is now our whole body and building with them. <laughs> so we'll see where it goes. I think that we have probably a year to make some hay. And whether or not it just becomes a flash in the pan and I casually cover it afterwards. We'll see. No, I, I think you're getting in at a good time. I think that you're right. There is a wave. It's heading upwards. A lot of unification bouts, a lot of undisputed bouts. The heavyweight division, that, you know, we'll talk about it now. What's going on with, with Wilder, Fury, Joshua? You know, if everything plays out correctly, and I know that's kind of easier said than done, mm-hmm. you know, you're having two years, at least two, three years of these guys all fighting each other. You know, boxing goes as the heavyweight division goes. So I honestly think that we are on a trip. We're back on the way up with tons of fights. You got Canelo for at least five, six years. Uh, the welterweights, if they ever decide to fight, you got guys like Tiafimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, you know, the next, I want to say four princes. I won't say four kings out of disrespect for uh, those guys there, but you're right. Boxing is on an upswing. Uh, what do you think this heavyweight scenario? I know that uh, you wrote a blog about it. Uh, you ruined your chances of going to Saudi Arabia. Now we're going to see, potentially, it looks like we're going to see Fury uh, versus uh, Wilder 3, if you can believe it. It's going to happen uh, Vegas. Maybe we'll see you out there. Yeah, late July, I believe, right? So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where it's, and I think I said it, it's the fight nobody wants to see, but it's the one that everyone's going to tune into, right? Mm-hmm. Like I really don't think, I think that 
Tyson Fury has cheat codes on Deontay Wilder. Does Deontay Wilder always have a puncher's chance? Probably more so than anybody in the country, right? Because he's got such a big fucking right hand. But I, th I think Wilder has the cheat codes. Like when, when Joshua figured out what he shouldn't do anymore with Andy Ruiz and, you know, fought like a very smart fight in Ruiz, Joshua too. Mm -hmm. I think the way that he handled that, which is very frustrating to Andy. I spent some time with him last week and I wasn't impressed with Andy against uh, Ariola. I, I was, that was a little bit unfortunate for me mm -hmm. because I was really looking for more. Um, so, so I, I, I'm not necessarily interested in that. I personally just didn't like the, uh, my 40 pound headdress really fucked me up. <laughs> well, the, the well that's just one gloves. of the excuses. Yeah. The dummy gloves and all that kind of stuff. And then to throw this in, I, I just don't understand why a guy like Deontay Wilder or his handlers wouldn't say, Hey, listen, let's hold them up. Let's fucking rob a bank here. Let's get millions from them in order to postpone our fight and get the guarantee to fight somebody else. He'll look like a hero. Yeah. He'll look like a genius and he'll have, he can set up another soup can in between here and there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden have like the big fight. So still get the big fight, which would be an even bigger fight against mm -hmm. a unified champion. I see but what you're saying. They want to get that through and it throws a gum, you know, throw some gum in the works. I said I was excited about Usyk Joshua just because I like Alexander Usyk. Yeah, he's absolutely. one of those crazy guys who may have epaulette tattoos. You know what I mean? Like Eastern Promises, <laughs> yeah. fights with a putty knife type shit. Yeah. But I don't know how well he's going to do. He could be a real fly in the ointment. There's flies in the ointment that's robbing me of the super fight, <laughs> which, by the way, I don't want in Saudi Arabia. I want it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the silver lining. I, I, yeah. put, I, I uh, was, you know, talked about this in a previous video is where are the silver linings here? The silver linings here is that Joshua versus Fury, if they come through their fights, if Joshua fights Usyk, which is a tough test, and he wins that, if Wilder, if Fury gets through Wilder, they're going to fight again because there's so much money to be made. The only silver lining here for those that want to see that fight is potentially that fight ending up in you know, December or January, COVID restrictions easing up. The fight belongs in the UK. The fight belongs in England. It belongs at Wembley. You know, like you said, the fly in the ointment. There's never been an undisputed heavyweight title match because of that reason. When you have four belts, four sanctioning bodies, four headaches. It's, you know, it finally was right there. It was almost there at the finish line. And Deontay Wilder comes in, but contracts or contracts. And to go back to your, your other point there from Wilder, the reason I don't think Wilder would take the step aside money and, you know, they can promise him the world, but why would he trust them? You know, the, they just completely ripped up the contract to move forward with Joshua versus Fury and left Wilder in the dust. And it was proven that the arbitrator said, listen, you know, that that's there. It's in the contract. Uh, you know, maybe COVID got in the way, but he wants that third fight. Uh, he beats he beats Fury Wilder. And then, you know, he's not I wouldn't say he's in the driver's seat because he's only got one belt. But that's that elusive last one. You know, Joshua wants to be undisputed. Joshua versus uh, Wilder was the fight. That was the fight that everyone wants. That's the fight that they said could be the anti Pacquiao Mayweather because it would deliver and it's two mega names in 2018. So uh, there are some silver linings here, but you're right. It's not what we want to see right now. And, you know, I never want to see another Royal wedding. I can give a shit less when Queen Elizabeth dies. I really don't give a shit to watch any of the pomp and circumstance that ever comes out of England. Mm -hmm. Honest to God, it just doesn't have any like feel to me. The pomp and circumstance that would happen in England oh, for man. those two guys to do that on the Queen's soil 
plus the amount of alcohol. I mean, UK fucking fans are the greatest boxing fans in the world. It to be in the building would be an honor. Oh, Even to watch it, I think would it would shake up a nation. It would be <laughs> historical for a, you know one of the oldest civilizations in Europe. So. You know, the Saudi Arabia thing, obviously, I understand that money talks. That was my business for a long time. So I do look at this from a sensible, you know, place, but also as a fan. Holy mm. shit. Yeah, you man. know, like, I think about the Ricky Hatton fans. I talk about it often when I saw him fight uh, Mayweather in Vegas and get knocked out in maybe the fourth or fifth round. I don't, I don't remember. And the fans being there for an hour afterwards, screaming. There's only one Dude. Ricky Hatton and one of them had a trombone. Like, you, <laughs> can't, you can't put a, uh, you know, a price on that. So no, maybe they're the best. You know, maybe we get that if the Saudis go, no, fuck you, I'm not doing it again. And we get an O2 or whatever the hell they can do it. Well, the thing is that the Saudi money wasn't, it was never like 100% proof. Like that fight wasn't as much as what Fury said, what Hearn said, what Aram said, what Frank Warren said, because they did say a lot. It wasn't like 100% happening. Now, that money 100% wasn't not, wasn't produced. You know, we don't know. So if that fight ends up at O2 in a year from now, or, you know, sometime in 2022, maybe even the end of the year. You know, that's it's patience. You got to be patient if you're a boxing fan because we don't always get uh, what we want. Before we let you go, Large, big fight this weekend. We got undisputed at 140 pounds. We're going to see that uh, weight class uh, become unified for the second time in less than four years. Terrence Crawford was the last to do it at 140. This is an all out war. This is a brawl. This is a fight that you can tell your non boxing fans to tune in for and not be embarrassed. It's Jose Ramirez, Josh Taylor. Power punches galore. Both guys, uh, you know, are, are sit atop the CompuBox uh, record list at 140 pounds. Uh, all the titles on the line. How do you see this one playing out? So I'm speaking to Josh later on in the week. And Josh is going to have to convince me not to uh, pick Ramirez. <laughs> because coming into it, that's who I liked. And, and, and the more I study Josh Taylor, the less I like Ramirez's chance in this. I'm not looking at the odds yet. I'm not looking at anything. And I know what they are. So I'm just looking at it from just trying to watch enough tape on these guys. And sometimes I don't pay enough attention to that division. Mm -hmm. Sue me, right? Like there's so much other boxing to watch sometimes. So I really wanted to uh, break down. So right now it's Josh Taylor needs to convince me to throw a hundred bucks on him. Like that's, that's how I'm looking at it right now. And I'm hopefully at the end of the interview, we're taping this on what today's Wednesday. I have him tomorrow after workouts. I know you had him before yeah. very likable guy from what I understand. Never mm -hmm. spoke to him before. I haven't heard him in many interviews and stuff like that. I know he's got a pretty cool background with the motorcycles and all that shit, which I don't like. Um, but so that's where I am. I'm, 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 I'm on the fence. When I write the blog on Saturday, I'll have like the full thing out. But for right now, I'm trying to be convinced into putting some money on Josh Taylor. Yeah, he's, he's something, man. The fact that he's at an undisputed fight, 17 fights in his career is super impressive i mean you know the guy throws a ton of power punches both guys 80 percent of their thrown punches are power shots doesn't throw a jab that's what i think the fight can come that's down to it's funny thing it's it's two guys that brawl but it's going to come down to who can box who's going to who's going to take that time to throw jabs who's going to take that time uh to box you know neither guy knows how to lose so it's like the best of the best you can possibly get uh you're going to enjoy that interview uh with josh Taylor. i've enjoyed this conversation with you, Large, you're an ambassador to boxing now. Uh, you, you keep doing your thing there with Barstool. I think you guys are doing great stuff getting, you know, the younger fan into boxing. How many final thoughts on the on what you think the boxing world is headed? Yeah, I, I think so. Again, peaks and valleys is something that I say a lot when we're talking about the market and peaks and valleys is a lot uh, when I refer to boxing. 
I think we're kind of near that peak and you're saying it's sustainable for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. There's so many other like young, talented guys. And as long as they don't do that Ryan Garcia route, like to see a guy all of a sudden take time off to get right with his mentals, you know, there is so much other shit that they can get caught up in that I'm trying to, and Barcelona doesn't like this. I'm trying to get these guys off of fucking Instagram and back into the gym. So I think that's something that we're going to see a lot more of. And we're going to see a lot more of people kind of going onto some of these triller cards. I don't like the way Alec uh, fucking De La Hoya handled himself on the last one. That was kind of disgraceful. I'll say that out loud too. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things that could fuck this up right now too. And, you know, we talk about like um, this thing continuing for a couple of years. Tyson Fury could fuck this whole thing up too. I mean, he won against Klitschko, gained 70 pounds and went on a cocaine binge. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. there, there are certain things that can throw wrenches in here. So even though I'm very optimistic about the future of boxing, cautiously optimistic is how I am. And yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting to, to, to witness from a coverage standpoint, which is the standpoint that you and I are in right yeah. now. Yeah, that's funny. You just summed up being a boxing fan. It's cautiously optimistic, waiting for the other shoe to fall. These guys are nuts. You get to know these fighters. They are the craziest people in the world because they step into the ring to make their money. They have crazy lives. Everything. Can, it's just a delicate, delicate balance. And he showed up at the bubble. The first day we showed up at the bubble is when all the, um, all the information was coming out of Puerto Rico about the murder. Oh, yeah. Good poor young woman. And so there's all these people there who've had you know, relationships with these fighters and stuff like that. Like there are so many things like, you know, that we look on the dark side of boxing and whatnot. So cautiously optimistic if we're going that way, but either way, I think Barcelona is going to be a part of it. As long as they keep me, I'm going to try to be a big part of it also. So but let's get out for some drinks to do something, take it to the next level. We're dating now. Let's jump into bed and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll let's do it large. Let's do it for the love of boxing, for the sake of boxing, for the future of boxing. Appreciate the time, large. Take care.